Now, let's, let's open our hearts. Really, God, God speaks to us, all of us, in different ways. Every individual people, you have different needs you come with. Just in your heart, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. And let me go out from this place with the word of God that will change and transform my life this week. God bless you all. Let's put our hands together. Welcome, Pastor David. Good morning, everybody. May the Lord bless you. And uh, they were great announcements, weren't they? That was just riveting time of the service. And um, so make sure you take a newsletter and read it. It's got everything there. We've actually got our church birthday coming up. Real Life Church will be 25 years old on the 18th of February. How about that? And uh, God's done some mighty things amongst us, hasn't he? Hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And so we just want to celebrate that. And also in the newsletter, there's just an ad at the back uh, for an organization called Kids Hope. I don't know if you can remember, but in the month of October, we had a representative from their organization come and speak at our church. Her name was Melissa French. And she spoke about how there's opening in the schools for mentors from churches. And so a number of you volunteered and put your name down to be part of that. And so after the service um, in the Connect Lounge, uh, Diane and Peter will be there and you might have some questions for them and they will be an- able to answer any single question that you have. Amen. And so if you want to be part of that or if you are part of that, it would be good just to connect with Peter and Diane after the service. Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence. We just love to come and worship you. Lord, there's a lot of things happening this weekend in Australia. Lots of sport as usual. But Lord, your eyes are not upon the sport or the political things. Your eyes are upon your people. We thank you, Lord, that the most significant things that are happening in Australia this weekend is the gathering of your people to worship Christ Jesus the Lord. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that are here today to come to worship you and those who are online. Lord, I thank you that your favour is upon their lives. Thank you, Lord, for what Sarah said earlier about the faithfulness of God. And Lord, every one of us can testify how faithful you are. And so, Lord, we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you'll speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, speak to our hearts. Lord, we also pray for signs and wonders to take place this morning. There's people here today who need a, a touch in their lives, in their families, people here today who need a touch in their body. Lord, we just pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you'll overshadow us all today and work powerfully in our lives. We pray for answers to prayer this morning in this service. But most of all, Lord, we pray that the name of Jesus will be lifted up and honoured and glorified. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, as we just go through this message today, we pray faith will be ignited in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. So great to be back uh, from our holidays. We were in church last week and Far brought that fantastic message last week. Really appreciated that. Uh, but we had a wonderful holiday, a great holiday, but it's always good to be back in Western Australia, in Perth. Whenever we go to Melbourne, we try to figure out why anybody would want to live in Melbourne. So we're in the car driving along, Ben's car. There's Rochelle and I in the front, Luca and Hudson our grandchildren in the back. And uh, I said, you know, boys, Pop and Pop and, and Gaga, we're going back to, to Perth. And Luca, the five-year-old, goes, 
we want to come back with you to Perth. He goes, we love Perth. We want to come back to Perth. Anyway, just a couple of moments later, I came to the traffic jam and stuff happened on the road. And I, I said something I shouldn't. I said, man, you know, Melbourne, who could live here? <laughs> Luca just heard it. He says, pop up, you hate Melbourne? I said, no, I don't hate Melbourne. He says, pop up, you hate Melbourne. I said, I don't hate Melbourne. He says, well, I hate Perth. <laughs> Boy, he changed. You hate Melbourne, I hate Perth. And I didn't react. And everybody knows I love my dog, Rory. And so he thought, I'll get a reaction. I pop and he goes, I even hate Rory as well. <laughs> so it's good to be back in Perth where you wanted. That's all I got to say. Amen. <laughs> anyway, I was putting my shoe on this week, which you do. And uh, a shoe I'd worn in Melbourne. And uh, I hadn't worn it since I came back. And as I went to put it on, I couldn't get my footing because something was in the shoe. And little Hudson had hidden his little toy car in my shoe. <laughs> How cute was that? Well, that's enough of the grandchildren. Amen. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for your anointed upon your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, it is good to be home. just want everybody to know, we love Perth. <laughs> and we're expecting, together, we're going to have a great year this year. Okay, we're doing this year together. It's going to be a good year. It's not going to be an easy year, but we win in Jesus' name. Amen. We win. Amen. A number of years ago, I was trying to figure out how many years ago, Ivan Mills, and if you don't know Ivan Mills, he's actually a missionary part of this church with his wife Jane, and right now they're on a missions trip. Amen. But Ivan and I, we climbed Mount Kinabalu. I don't know if anybody else has ever climbed Mount Kinabalu. Mount Kinabalu is the highest mountain in Southeast Asia, standing around about 4,000 metres tall. It's just over 4,000 metres tall. It's located at the northeastern tip of the island of Borneo. Fortunately, we, we climbed it, but fortunately you do not need rock climbing skills because I don't have any of those. You don't need rock climbing skills to climb the mountain uh, because most of the mountain is just a very steep and difficult walk up the mountain. Nonetheless, we were required to hire a guide. Guide. And we needed a guide, so they said, in order to climb the mountain. And we were also very well prepared. Ivan is always well prepared. We had the right shoes, the right clothes, um, energy bars, all that sort of stuff. And we were also instructed by the local authority that we had to climb the mountain, the first part, because it was in two halves. We were to climb the mountain through the afternoon until we reached some huts that were on the side of the mountain and we would then sleep there and then we would resume our climb at three o'clock the next morning to get to the summit, and this is the idea, to get to the summit to see the sunrise. How good is that? Yes. However, 30 or 40 other tourists from around the world had also decided with their hired guides to climb the mountain at the same time slot as us. And so Ivan and I, we decided that we would treat the climb as a race to the top because that's the way we're wired. We wanted to be the first at the summit to see the sun rise and we kind of raced against each other a bit too. So off we went and Ivan and I, we, we uh, made it to the halfway mark in good time and we were pretty chuffed about that. Our fitness felt good. We were, were handling this. But I was a little bit annoyed 
and I was a little bit annoyed because we'd spent good money hiring our guide. And really, why did we need a guide to climb a 4,000-foot mountain? We can do that. We don't need him. He's a waste of time. Because all the guide did in that first half was just plod along. He didn't even hurry. And we went in a race. <laughs> he plodded along 20 to 30 metres behind us, just whistling a tune to himself. And he made no contribution to the climb, did not engage with us at all. Anyway, we struggled to sleep that night because it was really cold on the side of the mountain. Even though it's in Borneo, the higher you get, the colder it becomes. But at 3 a.m., we were up. And we're ready to begin the second part of our climb. And of course, Ivan and I quickly made our way to the front of the other climbers. Bang, 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 knocking them out of the way. Amen. I didn't hit anybody. <laughs> Thought occurred to me. But, as we, but we shot up the mountain with our whistling guide plodding still 20 or 30 metres behind us. But then after about an hour of climbing, the air became increasingly thinner at the high altitude. And you never know how you're going to react to thin air. I didn't think it would be a problem to me at all because, you know, I exercise. I'll be fine. Not a problem. And so I anticipated the thinner air, but I didn't realise how it would affect me. And Ivan too. And it became really hard to breathe trying to fill your lungs with air <laughs> and you're trying to hurry at the same time. And so the easy climb now became very difficult for us both. And we found that we could no longer stand up because we felt uncertain. It was dark about the steep incline. We're uncertain about that. And our energy levels are completely dropped because we couldn't breathe properly. And so we were now struggling on our hands and knees, literally, as we crawled up the rock face of this mountain. However, our guide did not struggle at all. He didn't struggle with the steep incline. He didn't struggle with the thin air. Instead, he was walking upright on the steep incline with his hands still in his pockets. And he was still whistling his little tune. For him, the mountain climb was like a stroll in the park. And so he caught up with us and sort of had a bit of an amused look on his face as he looked down at us crawling on the rock face. And then he engaged us and he said, slowly, slowly. Now put your feet where I put my feet and I will take you to the top of the mountain. What a relief. It was a relief to hear an encouraging and reassuring word from him because I was wondering actually if I would even make it. I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I could do this. And at that point, I was so glad we had hired that guide. I would have paid him anything after that, you know. Then from that moment onwards, I gave over my need for control to him. All I did was just, I kept my lamp, we had uh, torches on our heads, uh, I kept the head lamp just fixed on the back of his heels, that's all I did. And I, I, didn't need, I didn't, no longer, I didn't need to figure out how to climb the mountain. Because our, our guide, he knew how to climb the mountain. He had conquered that mountain lots of times and now the mountain was no challenge to him. He knew what lay ahead in the dark. He knew how far we needed to go. I didn't know what lay ahead in the dark. I couldn't see. I'd never done this before. But it didn't matter that I didn't know because the guide knew what lay ahead. My job 
was just to trust him and keep my eye on him and put my feet in exactly the same places he put his feet and to keep at his pace and not my own pace. And so our guide, with his hands in his pockets, continued to meander. And this is the other way. I was climbing straight up. He, he went this way. He meandered his way along to a slow but steady rhythm of climbing the mountain. And that young guide got Ivan and me to the top of Mount Kennebalu. And we were rewarded with the most beautiful sunrise. And we were the first at the top of the mountain as well. Amen. Life's a bit of a competition. The Bible says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us, this is the Bible I'm reading, everybody. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Ladies and gentlemen, the Christian life is like an endurance race. The Christian life is like a cross-country marathon in enemy territory. The Christian life is not a sprint. The Christian life is not a game. The Christian life is not for the faint-hearted. The Christian life takes endurance. The Christian life takes perseverance. The road to eternal life is up and down and up and down. There are twists. There are turns along the way. There are distractions. There are obstacles. There are difficulties that have to be navigated by every Christian. The Christian life is the ultimate race of all. And the Bible urges you and it urges me to run to win this most important of all races. God does not want you to ever quit your race. Are you listening to me today? Don't quit. I'll say it again. Don't quit. God's will for you is that you run and complete your race because there is a divine sunrise in eternity that God has planned for you. The eternal reward that God has in store for you is infinitely greater than the effort of the race. So just keep running. Nonetheless, you must understand that there is no way that you are able to run your race by yourself. There is no way you can live the Christian life all by yourself. You may be self-assured. You may be strong-willed. You may be determined. You may be a disciplined Christian and a great person. That's all great, but it's still impossible to live the Christian life in your own strength and wisdom because nobody can do that. You see, there will be times during your race of endurance when the air will become thin and the going will become tough. 
There will be times when everything will seem dark to you and you can't see what lies ahead. There will be times when you will be exhausted and weary. There will be times when you don't know which direction to go. There will be battles that you will not be able to win by yourself. That's why you need a guide. That's why you need a guide on the race of endurance who can help you. You need a guide who is relaxed and in control. You need a guide who has conquered the mountain before you. You need a guide, a guide who knows what's ahead. You need a guide who knows how to overcome the obstacles and temptations. Well, thank God we have a guide who knows the beginning from the end. We have a guide who bore our sins and made us right with God. We have a guide who rose again from the dead and He's already conquered the mountain. And our guide, you know who He is, is Jesus Christ, our champion. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, our Redeemer. Praise the Lord. He is the one who says to you, slowly, slowly, put your feet where I put my feet, and I will lead you to the top of the mountain. Amen. The only way to truly run the Christian life is to put your feet where Jesus Christ has put his feet. You will never be able to run your race on your own. You will never complete your race by following someone else. Don't follow a man, follow Jesus. See, a lot of people quit the race because they're following a man and there's a scandal. Or they're following a man and they find out he's got feats of clay. We don't follow men of the world. We follow Jesus. You will never complete your race by following someone or something else other than Jesus. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. With Jesus, we can run through every terrain, every season every obstacle and every circumstance of life. With Jesus, we win. With Jesus, we are more than conquerors. With Jesus, we can run our race of endurance to the end. With Jesus, we can get through 2024 as victors. With Jesus, we can run through times of plenty and times of lack. With Jesus, we can run through times of joy and times of sadness. With Jesus, we can run through it all. Indeed, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Christian life is like an endurance race where we keep our eyes upon Jesus. Therefore, we cannot afford to take our eyes off Jesus. We've got too much to lose. You've got too much to lose. You've come so far. Keep going. Your family needs you to keep following Jesus. When we were climbing the mountain, Ivan and I came across a Japanese man and he broke his leg. It was serious going up the mountain. And he was stuck. You couldn't get a car up there. Couldn't fly a helicopter in. So they're trying to figure out about getting a group of men to come up the mountain and to take him back down the mountain. I don't know how he broke his leg, but he had a guide. Maybe he failed to follow the instructions of his guide. Instead of following his guide, maybe he got distracted and now he wasn't able to complete the race because his leg was busted. 
Now's not the time to slack off and look around and be distracted from your race. Now is not the time to fall in love with the things of this wicked world. And the world is very wicked. This will and the things that it treasures is all going to be burned up anyway. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Nonetheless, the enemy of our souls, the devil. I'm not preaching too loud or hard, am I? Because I'm just warming up. I'm warming up. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've got a lot of words inside of me. I'm trying to be restrained. It's been a while. (laughs) The enemy of your soul. He's real. He's called the devil. The devil's real. You can see it working in people's lives around here. He knows his time is short. It's really short because Jesus is coming again. So the devil works overtime trying to get you and I to take our focus off Jesus. And he's very clever at doing it. He tries to get you to be distracted by the things of this fallen world. He wants you to stop you from running your race. He doesn't want you to make it to the top. Have you noticed that there's so many distractions clamoring for your attention? Listen carefully to what I'm going to say right now. And some of those distractions may even sound good and noble. There's a lot of Christians running around where they champion social causes, but they're not champion Jesus Christ. And they stop running their race. They become more passionate about this cause than what they are about being passionate about Jesus Christ. Don't fall for the tricks of the devil. Keep the main thing the main thing. Keep your eyes and focus on Jesus Christ, your Lord and Saviour, because you've got too much to lose if you take your eyes off Jesus. We're reading Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible. And if here at Real Life Church, we believe in the whole of the Bible, Genesis through to Revelation. I just want everybody to understand that. And in the first book of Genesis, uh, in the first book of the Bible, sorry, called Genesis, we read how the angels urged Lot and his wife to flee uh, two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah because judgment was, gonna, was coming to those wicked cities. So Lot and his family ran away from destruction to a place of safety. Some of you are familiar with that story. That story is a picture of the race of endurance that every believer is engaged in. We're running from destruction to a place of safety. We're running from destruction to salvation. However, Lot's wife stopped running. She stopped fleeing from Sodom and Gomorrah. She stopped running. She stopped running her race. Instead, she turned her back on her salvation. She turned her back on the place of safety. And she fixed her eyes upon Sodom because that's where her heart was. And consequently, she was destroyed. How foolish she was to ignore what the angel said. In the same way, it is foolish for us to ignore the warning of Holy Scripture. Indeed, fleeing from things that could destroy us is part of running the race of endurance. I'll say it again. Fleeing, running from things that could destroy us is part of of running the race of endurance that God has called us to. There will be things this year in 2024 that you wisely need to flee from. Watch out. 
Things will come knocking on your door. Don't open your door to the devil. There will be some things you need to run away from, flee from them in 2024. Amen? Amen? Are you listening? Amen? When we get together in 12 months' time, I want to see all your faces still in the kingdom of God. I want you back here. Amen? Remember that what I'm saying. In the book of Genesis, we also read of a man named Joseph. Joseph was a God-honoring Hebrew slave. And he found himself working for a man named Potiphar. Now, there's a great name to call your child. Amen? <laughs> Potiphar. Potiphar was a captain of the guard for the mighty Pharaoh. And Joseph was highly respected by Potiphar for his hard work and for his integrity. And the blessing of God was upon Joseph's life. And so Potiphar promoted Joseph to be in charge of his large estate. He became the head slave. However, Joseph was a good-looking young man. And Potiphar's wife soon noticed him. And this powerful lady propositioned Joseph, asking him to have an affair with her. But Joseph held on to his integrity and he bravely said to her in response, No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. Listen to this next statement. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And then one day, Joseph was alone by himself, working in the house, and Potiphar's wife came in. And she tried to seduce him once again. And this time she actually physically grabbed him, held on to his cloak and said, let's have an affair. She said other things too, but we're in church. Amen. <laughs> what did Joseph do? Well, Joseph ran away from her and he got out of the house. He did not hang around her. He did not offer her marital advice. He did not offer her a listening ear. He did not offer her a hug. He got out of there as quick as he could. He, listen, he did not linger because he knew if he lingered, he might have stayed. She probably wasn't ugly. All sorts of things were going through his mind. But it had nothing to do with that. He got out of there because he was, Joseph was running the endurance race that led to eternal life. And he could not afford to mess around with people like her. He got out of there because he might have stayed. Let's get out of there so we don't stay. Joseph had his eyes upon the one who is invisible. And that's what Christians do. We flee from temptation. One time, I told you a story before, but uh, oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, do Well, it does. I'm not, I want everybody to understand, I'm not a perfect Christian, and all you've got to do is go and speak to Rochelle, and she will confirm that over and over. So when I share a story, it's really important that you don't um, think more highly of me than you should. 
But I, uh, I, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm clinging to Jesus like everybody else is here today. Amen. Um, and um, I just, just remember, and I had a number of instances, but I remember one in particular. When I was working up in Kalgoorlie, working for a company, and uh, I was the tech guy, the computer guy. Uh, uh, the salesman was there. We used to sell fuel. And uh, I was doing my work in Port Hedland. He was doing his. And then he says, David, I need you to come to the pub tonight. I need you to be the driver. We're going to do a lot of drinking. And uh, I'm going to sell a lot of fuel. I'm that close to closing a deal with this trawler uh, captain. And he's going to use a lot of fuel. I need you there. And you, you, know, you can give lifts to the other guys. I mean, they could have all got a taxi or something. But I said, yeah, no worries. I'll go. So I go along. And no problems, they're having their conversation at the bar there. And, you know, um, I was drinking a Coke, amen. And it was great. But then music started playing. And these girls ran on the platform. They were the raunchy girls or something like that. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And they started doing a show. Well, I didn't know that was part of the deal. So I said to him, I said, mate, I'm out of here. You can figure out how you're going to get home yourself. Oh, what's your problem? What's your problem? Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm also a married man like you are. And I don't need to be here. I'm, go I'm going. No, 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 mate, 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 you can't. You'll blow the whole deal. You can't do this. We're going to sell a lot of fuel. I don't really care how much fuel you're going to sell. I'm a Christian. I'm out of here. I'm married. I've got a wife back at home. She's expecting me to be loyal to her. And I'm out of here. Anyway, he's just saying, no, 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 no. As this is happening, the lead girl off the platform sees me. And she comes off the platform with her eyes on me. She'd asked for volunteers on the platform. She comes to, heading towards me, and I gave her the meanest look that I could give. And I mouthed, don't even think about it. And she saw that, and she went off to somebody else like that. So I was just walking out the door. And this, this, this guy goes, oh, mate, mate, this is not going to be good. Then the captain heard the dispute. And he comes over, and this is Port Hedland, captain of a trawler, and he had his mates there. And he says, what's your problem? He says, well, you know, Dave's got an issue with these girls on the platform. And he, the captain goes, oh, has he? And I'm thinking, here we go. And I'm, I'm walking. He says, what's his problem? Well, he, he's married, he's a Christian, and he's not comfortable with this. And the captain goes, oh, wow, that's, that's good. Okay, boys, he called his guys together. He says, we're out of here. We're going down to a room down the back so we can do business. How about that? Sometimes it turns out for good when you take your stand. Sometimes it turns out for, for bad. I thought I was going to cause a lot of problems. But ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you just got to get out of there. Even if it means losing your job. Jesus comes first before our employers. Potter's wife held onto Joseph's cloak and he ran. And she screamed for help. When Potiphar came home, she, she accused Joseph of assault. It wasn't true. Joseph was then thrown into jail for a crime that he did not commit. Initially, it seemed that everything had gone wrong for Joseph. And sometimes you take a stand and it doesn't work out. Everything can go wrong. The world hates you. Jesus says in the world you'll have trouble. When you stand for Jesus, the world isn't going to always go, hey, yeah, we agree with you. No, sometimes it doesn't work out. But years later, Joseph became a powerful man in the land of Egypt. And God used Joseph in the saving of many people's lives. However, consider this. If Joseph had not run away from Potiphar's wife, then surely he would never have been in a position for God to later raise him up to greatness. There's always a consequence for whatever our behaviour is. Amen? Amen? It's a good reason that the Bible urges us to stay alert. 
Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Don't let him devour you. You've got too much to to win by following Jesus. Don't sabotage your future by lingering around temptation. Indeed, running from things that can compromise your Christian integrity is more important than being concerned about what people may think of you. Who cares what the people think? It's what Jesus thinks that matters the most. Don't let anything mess with your race. Keep running. Keep running. Just a couple of more points. Is that okay, everybody? So we run from temptation and we run with our eyes upon Jesus. Therefore, that verse again, a key verse, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our our faith. The young guy, guide on the mountain, said to Ivan to me, slowly, slowly, put your feet where I put my feet and I will lead you to the top of the mountain. And we obeyed, we got to the top. The precepts, the instructions, The teachings and promises of God's word are the footprints of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your your word, the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man. This world just doesn't know what it's even doing. We will follow the word of God. So we, the followers of Jesus, we place our feet, our spiritual feet, in the promises of God that we find in the Bible. We stand upon the word. Now, here's an irony. We stand on the word in order to run the race. We stand on the word in order to run the race. We stand on the word in order to run that race of endurance that God has called us to. Here's an example of a divine footprint, just so people can understand what I'm trying to say. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. This is a great footprint. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You know when you're trying to figure something out and you just can't figure it out? It's okay. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Wow, that's a great... I'll put my footprint in that one. I'll park myself there for a while. Here's another one. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. You feeling exhausted and tired today? Put your hope in God. Another version says those who wait upon the Lord. Get into the presence of God. Wait upon the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I'll, I'll put my foot in that one too. I think I'll park there. for. I think I'll stand there for a while because I'm running a race, you know. Okay, here's one more. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Oh, thank God for that. Whom shall I fear? You know, when the bills come, and it's getting really hard out there. You're trying to find a place to live or whatever it is. Stuff's going on with your kids. Lord is my light. He's my salvation. You know, and those feelings of fear come. You're thinking the worst. But you can say, this is a footprint. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? There's some good footprints. Stand on the word in order to run the race of endurance. The Bible is jam-packed. We're the footprints of Jesus Christ. In conclusion, so we run with endurance the race God has set before us by keeping our eyes upon Jesus, our champion. 
We step into his divine footprints. We follow him. We trust in him. We run from sin and temptation. We don't linger and we keep our eyes upon Jesus. We go where Jesus goes. We walk with Jesus and we walk like Jesus. We don't deviate from the race God has called us to. And brothers and sisters here at Real Life Church, if we would all do that, and as you do that, Jesus Christ, your guide, will take you to the top of the mountain. And one day you will see heaven's sunrise. And even though, this is some kind of irony that I see in the scriptures, it's a wonderful thing. Even though you will make it to the top of the mountain, you will complete your race, you will only make it because of the grace and faithfulness and mercy of God. It is finished. It's all Him. Even though He's doing all the hard work, Jesus will still say to you, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. What a great Saviour we have. What a wonderful Saviour. Therefore, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. How's your race going? Have you started it? Maybe you haven't even started your race of endurance. Maybe a little bit like this with Jesus. You know, you've got a lot of respect for the church. You're actually here this morning. It shows you have respect. But maybe you've never made your peace with God. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and say, I realize that you died on the cross. I realize that you rose again from the dead. But maybe you've never surrendered your heart to him and said, could you please forgive me of my sins so I can be right with God and begin this race. Maybe you've never done that. Or maybe you have. And you become distracted, perhaps like that guy who busted his leg on the side of the mountain. Maybe, you know, you're about to bust your spiritual leg because you're, you're distracted. Or maybe you've been lingering around temptation and you need to get out of there in Jesus' name before it destroys you and your marriage or whatever, you know. How is your race going? Are you keeping your eyes upon Jesus Christ? Let's pray, shall we? Let's just pray. Could somebody say, Praise the Lord? Praise Hallelujah. Lord, I just, just thank you for my brothers and sisters. I just thank you uh, for good people who love you and want to honour you. I thank you for people here today who um, understand that we need Jesus, all of us, and that we can't finish the race without you. And we just worship you today, Lord. And we just thank you that you chose us to run this race. Lord, it says there that you're the one who set the race before us. You chose us. Lord, you chose us before the world was even created. And we, we just are so grateful to you. So grateful for all the blessings. So grateful for the times when we've been doing it hard. And somehow you brought us through. Those times when we felt weary and exhausted. But somehow you brought us through. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And so, brothers and sisters, we're just going to pray. And the Holy Spirit is here. You know that. He's here and he loves you to bits. He's moving upon you right now. You've got a big year ahead of you. And we've had some great messages of recent times. And I know that the Holy Spirit is preparing us for 
a mighty year ahead. And he's preparing you right now. But maybe you haven't begun your race. I just spoke about that a moment ago. Maybe you're not right with God. Well, today you can be right with God. And here at Real Life Church, we encourage you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You don't get right with God by putting money in the offering. You don't get right with God by joining Real Life Church. Real Life Church can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to give you the opportunity to reach out to Jesus Christ today. Reach out from your heart. And you say to Jesus yourself, Jesus, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Only you, Jesus, can forgive me because you died on the cross for me. I recognize that. Have mercy upon me. Make me right with God. I want to follow you. You do that from your heart right now. Just pray that. And so today, as you're reaching out to Jesus, can I pray for you? And if that's you, as we're all in an attitude of prayer, we're trying not to be distracted. That's why we close our eyes. You could pray with your eyes open, but we close our eyes so we don't become physically distracted. We're focused on Jesus. And if today you're saying, Pastor Dave, would you say a prayer for me? Absolutely. I'm going to pray the mighty power of Jesus Christ upon your life. So if that's you and you're saying, would you pray that I'll be right with God today and my sins washed away? Give me a wave of your hand and I'll pray for you in Jesus' name. God bless you. 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 Thank you. Anybody else? Hey, why don't we pray a prayer together and then I'll pray another prayer, huh? But this it could be every, particularly those who uh, just raise their hand. What if we prayed all aloud, even if you've been a Christian for 50 years? Sometimes it's good to say the sinner's prayer yourself. Again, you know. Here we go. Please repeat after me and everybody together. Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. In your name, amen. Father, we just pray for those who are just reaching out to you, Lord, and they, they want to begin their race. They want to be forgiven of their sins. And we've said the sinner's prayer, and we believe you've answered our prayer. And we just pray for those who have raised their hands that your presence will be with them. We pray, Holy Spirit, you'll give them a new heart, a new creation. We pray, Lord, as they leave this place in a little while, that they'll go out strong in you, that you'll keep them this week, and that, Lord, they'll go on to be mighty Christians, mighty followers of Jesus, disciples of the Lord. That's what we pray for them in Jesus' name. Amen. And while we're in attitude of prayer too, I've just been wondering how I was going to do this because I just was. But maybe you've become distracted. You know, it's so easy. So easy, you know, um, you become so busy and you forget to read your Bible, and then you know how it is, you know, you forget to pray, not able to come to church for a number of weeks running, and before you know it, becoming distracted. And so, maybe you got your eyes on something else, and today God's spoken to you, He's convicted you because He loves you, 
He's saying, get your eyes back on me. Put your feet where my feet are. If that's you today, surrender your life to the Lord. Repent and turn back to the Lord. I'd like to pray for you too. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Can I pray for you? I'd like to do that. As long as you didn't come, as long as you're sincere, just give me a wave of your hand. I'll pray for you too. God bless you. 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 God bless you down the back. Anybody else? Lord, we all know how easy it is to be distracted. And so, Lord, we just pray for one another. Pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters. Lord, temptations come knocking on their door, Lord. And, Lord, we all know about that. We know how crafty the devil can be. We know all about that. Lord, we know he's a roaring lion seeking, seeking people to devour. But we pray for one another. We pray for those who are distracted. We pray that they'll stand. And having done all, they'll stand their ground. Pray they'll get their eyes off the things of this world and their eyes back on Jesus. Pray they'll say no to temptation, no to distractions. And they'll keep following you, Jesus Christ. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. and they shouted, Hallelujah.